celebration of freedom of speech in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Howdy, Jay. Folks, how are we doing tonight? I am Jay Linderman. Uh, thank you for joining us for another great episode of Tales from the Abyss, where we leave no stone unturned, and I'm excited about tonight. I'm ready to get to it. Man, you know, you and I, as long as we've been doing this together, it's been, you know, four or five months now, we haven't done any Westerns. Nope. No, so, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. Let's tell the folks what we're doing tonight. Um, well, welcome, everybody, to Tales from the Abyss uh, once again. Um, we're going to be doing Unforgiven, and then we're going to move towards Tombstone. We're going to go from 1992 to 1993. Love it. Uh, two of the great modern westerns. Well, uh, I mean, Unforgiven is, is even on the uh, Congress has uh, storage that movie. It is so. I, you know, I, um, I actually saw that when I was kind of when I knew we were going to do tonight's episode. I went back and did a little bit of research, and I did see that. Yeah, this is this is a uh, uh, Clint Eastwood's final western, one of the most iconic uh, western characters, uh, western actors in the United States of America, all the way from Raw High, all the way to uh, the Man with No Name. Strong. Oh, God, man, outlaw Josie Wales. Yep. The strong that's silent not, type. That's, that's my favorite Eastwood Western. That 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 one is your your favorite. The Outlaw Jesse Wells. That's one of mine too. That Outlaw one was Jesse so well Wells, done. Along with the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly are my top two Eastwood. Yeah, I would I would say that uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, and uh, 
Why does the Hank? Uh, Mr. Eastwood, man, Clint, Clint's a legend. Oh yeah, Clint Eastwood is. They don't have actors like that anymore, man. Nah, yeah. he's what, almost 90 or something, and he's still out there directing films. Yeah, he's 90-some years old. He he, uh, he took good care of himself. He ran every day five miles, and ex-military man, you know, they, they, they gave him a hard time when they, when he was, uh, what he was doing. He was at, uh, at, uh, the Republican convention talking to the share, and, uh, people were giving him a hard time saying that he was, uh, that he was old and obsolete and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, Clean Eastwood is a legend that, that uh, it's just what he has done in movies, it's going to be hard for others to come along and top. It, it really is a different era, different way of life. You know, this, it's yeah, just. He's without a doubt, like the last of that age of Hollywood. You know what I mean? And yes. He's, he's one of the last to, uh, you know, with, Eastwood, you know, started getting popular with Rawhide. I mean, that was when TV Western shows were the thing to watch. I mean, if I'm off, I'm, I still get off in the morning and watch that. Oh, Rawhide? Yeah, on, on MeTV. I still watch Rawhide. I, uh, the Western I remember watching as a kid with my dad was The Rifleman. The Rifle, I still watch The Rifleman too. Every time I, if I'm off on a Saturday, that's one of the things that I do on MeTV. Watch The Rifleman. And then, uh, my dad to this day still watches Gunsmoke. Oh, yeah. Every day so, on MeTV. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, so Eastwood, you know, he got started, you know, way back then. And for him to have this 50-plus uh, year career has been amazing. Amazing. Was even a mayor at one point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's probably a bunch of stuff we don't know about and he's probably done. <laughs> yeah, the guy, has, uh, he, he has done it all. I think you know, that, and, and my all-time top five favorite actors, Clint Eastwood is definitely in that five. Yeah, he's got to be. He's on my 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 top five too. Because it's it's okay. just between him and Vincent Price and and Christopher Lee, I got them on my top five, no doubt. Oh wow! So, okay, Vincent Price. I haven't watched a good Vincent Price film in a while. Man, it's, there's like it's like each and every one of the the movies that he made were great. Yeah. Very, very, like Eastwood, very iconic. Very iconic. So this is 1992. Eastwood has said that this was going to be his uh, final Western because he doesn't want to come across as somebody who ends up copying others. Mm -hmm. So he knew that this was the way that he wanted to end it. And boy, director Clean Eastwood, he produced it. And uh, it was written by David Week, uh, Wheat Pebbles. He was uh, the writer of Blade Runner and 12 Monkeys. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a uh, very diverse filmography there. Yeah, the dude has skills to go all the way from a Western that uh, had uh, this two uh, goofballs who decided that they were going to, one of them decided that he was going to cut this prostitute lady's face because she had giggle when they started to get undressed. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they said. That's what they said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to find out, and and uh, but that's yeah, what they. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they. And then um, they ended up. Um, the The budget was fourteen point four million dollars. You know, that really doesn't take much to make something like this. Right. You know, they put those old wooden houses, and you all the the biggest, the most important thing is those big blue skies and big prairies. And you got oh, your, yeah, the scenery. Yeah, I mean, the scenery is. Be, 
that's got to be very open. Yes, and this thing it grows one hundred and fifty nine million dollars. Four Oscars: Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor Gene Hackman, and Best Editor Joe Joel Cox. Clint Eastwood lost Best Actor to Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. Because <laughs> you know that, and that was that was Al's year. There was no way nobody was going to take it away from him. No, that was any other year Eastwood would have won it. Yeah, yeah. Had that movie not come out uh, on on nineteen ninety two, there's no doubt that uh that Eastwood would have won it. But Pacino was too strong on that role. Absolutely. Of a blind man guiding the other well, boy that was learning how to see. And plus, that's a lot of money to be drawn in ninety two. Oh wow! Yes, sir. I yes, mean, that's, that's like Batman numbers. You know, yes, and they, they just, I mean, and after all these years, you know, they that movie has continued to increase in value. And it should. Uh, it's it's an amazing movie. I love the story. I love the writing. I mean, it's a morality tale. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's got a couple different things thrown in throughout the whole movie, different themes, different life themes. Yes. And, and it's just very well done. And it, I, in my opinion, I don't think Eastwood should do any more westerns. Just because Unforgiven is that good, and I don't think there's any way he can top it. Not, especially not now. No, and for for hey, you know, the man when he said that was the last one, he meant it because he's done a lot of things ever since, and he never went back to touch a western. Yep, I, and that's great. And uh, also, it hurt that Eastwood had actually received the script for Unforgiven. Like, I don't know, 10, 15 years prior, but he didn't do anything because he felt like he wasn't old enough yet. To, yeah, yeah, because it required an older man that had gone through a lot of turmoil. And the, the scene where he's out there with his two little kids, and he was such a bad man that they thought, uh, the wife, they thought that he was going to end up killing her in a rage or something, but she died of smallpox. And she, he was there with the uh, with the hogs, dealing with all these hogs and... Man, the hog was sick. I mean, the guy was in big trouble there with two kids in the middle of nowhere trying to make it. Absolutely. So, I mean, you can understand his reasoning for going and doing what he started out to do. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, again, it's the movie as it goes. It, you know, Eastwood's character, uh, William Money, starts off as a man who you know, made a lot of sins and then kind of saw the error of his ways and uh, got himself sober and cleaned up and whatnot. And then now he's forced to go back to that way. It's, it's, it's a very, uh, a very good tale about the transformation of, of some people. And he was struggling uh, with the rifle. He was struggling with, with the, uh, with everything on the way to, to big, big whiskey in Wyoming. Right. Yeah, but then once he took that swing of liquor, it was like like David Banner getting hit <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> I know it, man. And, and, <laughs> before the end of it, Eastwood turned into Dirty Harry again for a minute. You know, for a minute. And let's talk yeah. about. I don't know if you have ever seen the movie, but Gene Hackman, which I think is one of the greatest American actors ever. Okay. Definitely in my top ten. The guy was just. Oh, he's, yeah, my top 10 as well. Yeah, he's 91 years old, but when it comes to a pure, like, American actors that can do anything inside this country, as far as acting goes, 
this guy has to be one of the, the definitely one of the top, top, top dogs because uh, he was in a movie. I don't know if you have ever seen this movie. It's, it's called The Hunting Party. Huh. It's an American. They have it on, Am on Amazon. I, I, it's one of my favorite Western movies. I watch it at least uh, once a year. It's like right up there with Big Jake and uh, the Train Rovers. I watch this movie in Hundo. Those are Westerns that I watch every year. Nice. And this is a, an American-British Western with, uh, with a little bit of a spaghetti Western flavor. And Gene Hackman is a, a rich man on a hunting expedition. And this outlaw uh, leftist uh, professor who's doing a revolution steals his wife. Okay. And that's where the story starts. And by the end of the movie, she basically... She's basically falls for her uh for her captures because her her husband was apparently not not a very good man towards her and he ended up gene hagman ended up trying to hunt them down and the whole thing unravels and it's a great movie if anybody that's listening likes westerns they want to go back and watch it or you want to watch it because gene hagman is not a stranger to westerns no he actually did another one in the 90s that actually gets really overlooked um Called the Quick and the Dead. You like that? I do. Okay, it wasn't for me, but that's that's why I, I don't do. I don't want the people to have that impression that Gene Hagman was just unforgiving. It's no, no. I mean, Quick and the Dead is. Um, oh, people like it. People like it. Yeah, it's just, I like it. I mean, it, it, it's not my favorite Western by any means. No. Not even in my top ten. No. But, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just yeah. like for a Western. Like, I, for me, the Westerns are such a big, big, big part of the, of, the, of the history of movies in the United States. Oh, yeah, I mean, of course, through the decades, they come and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but like, it's like what, what the samurai movies are, the Kung Fu movies are for China, and the samurai movies are for Japan, the Westerns are for the U.S. I, and I agree with you 100%. Because for me, it's, uh, it, you, know, you know, Gene Hackman, though, he's my favorite. I think my Gene, favorite Gene Hackman movie outside of Unforgiven is probably Crimson Tide. Yeah, Crimson Tide is is uh, is flawlessly good. Yeah, that and Hoosiers. Hoosiers, that's another great one. Uh, Superman. Uh, Superman, yeah, that was good. The first one, not not that overrated second one. Yeah, yeah. Or the or the absolutely abysmal fourth one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Hackman was in part four. I don't think. I guess he must have taken the money and run. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, part that's between part one and part two, the two real good ones. Yeah, and I'm those. not a, a huge fan of part two. I like it, uh, but I'm a very big fan of the original. I actually have the Blu-ray. Um, I just love the epic scope of it, and and Gene Hackman brought out a very different Lex Luthor. Yes. Oh, yes. That was that was that was uh, uh, his own version of it. His take. Yeah. See, back then they had actors that actually they did their own interpretation on uh, on these characters. Right. But they were so good at their interpretations and their acting that they actually gave it a different dimension to the character and still kept it as something that we can we can welcome in and, and enjoy. Right. And I mean, not only that, like we mentioned Hoosiers, man, Hagman was a very believable basketball coach. Oh, um, absolutely. Hoosier, for me, Hoosier's the best basketball movie ever made. 
Oh yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely the best basketball movie ever made, without a doubt. Absolutely, that was I mean without that, a doubt. that is a, just a, a, a what perhaps maybe even one of the best sport movie ever made. And there's a lot my of favorite, great ones. Well, my favorite sport movie is Rocky. Rock, um, Rocky's a good one. Yeah, that's my all-time favorite movie though. But um, but Hoosiers is great. I mean, this that's a great underdog story, and you know. Who doesn't like a great American underdog story? Yeah, no, man. Gene Hackman. I mean, this movie, and and let's not even forget how Morgan Freeman was another one of the mm -hmm. the actors in this. And Morgan Freeman was just red hat throughout his entire career. Morgan Freeman has had such a di diverse filmography <laughs> yeah like i think the only time that he's ever slowed down and taken like a different take on movies was when he had that accident and he has a we don't know if he lost his arm or the, the, it's totally crushed in there they don't let you know i think he's keeping it a secret i don't think it's good for business to know but something real bad happened to his arm right Right. And, I mean, yeah, we haven't really seen much of him. Maybe no. a bunch of, like, voiceover work or yeah, something. Yeah, because he's got a, an amazing voice. Oh, yeah. That can I mean, sell he, anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny because I remember in the 90s how popular Morgan Freeman was. It felt like he was in everything. Yeah, like those Kiss the Girl and uh, Along Came the Spider. Seven. He was seven. AJ. Yeah. You can talk or tell a story or something. Powell Rojo's gonna go to the kitchen real quick and grab himself a beer. Absolutely, go ahead. But yeah, he was in the movie Seven, um, and Seven is a fantastic thriller with Brad Pitt, which I'm sure most of you know. But also, it's also my favorite Morgan Freeman movie. Um, he also dabbled in some action films, like, in my opinion, the cheesily bad, the very good. Hard Rain with Christian Slater. He was in that. I remember watching that movie a few times. Hey, I watched that. It's funny you say that because I watched that movie at least once a year. I love that movie. That movie's so bad it's good. I mean, yeah, that movie is... Uh, like when Morgan Freeman appears in that movie with the rest of that those characters, I was yeah. like... Wow, yeah. that movie could have gone so bad, but it's so good. Oh, I mean, it's... I mean, the, the plot's very unrealistic, but at the same time, <laughs> when you when you go into movies like that, like we've said before, you know, we're not going in to hard rain expecting Lawrence of Arabia here. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's not The Godfather. That's just a, an action over the top yeah. with uh, Randy Quaid, who had got had stro got thrown out, of, or he was on his way out as sheriff. Yeah, yeah. And he decided that he also wanted to take on that uh, money. Uh, and to me, and you know, I did a little background check on that not too long ago when I was looking at stuff for Unforgiven, and Morgan Freeman has actually come out and said that he hated Hard Rain. Oh, he did? Yeah, he hated it. He said that uh, originally his character was supposed to die, but they did some test screenings and stuff like that and everybody loved his character more than Christian Slater who was actually kind of the star of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, so they redid it to where his, his character got the money and lived. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, but everybody's seen that by now. Like I said, I, I watch it. 20-something years old. So. Yeah, I watch it once a year. I really enjoy it. I can't, I can't complain about that movie. But Morgan Freeman... Coming to this one, then he was also involved with Clint Eastwood. 
in a very uh, tumultuous uh, pass, and he decided to change. He just, I mean, once he held the gun in his hands and he saw the violence, I guess he didn't have it in him anymore. Yeah. And he decided that he was going to head out, but little Bill found him and tortured him. Yeah, that was terrible. I hated that part of the movie, though. Yeah, me too, because, I, I mean, you could see the face on his wife when Clean Eastwood went to pick him up. Oh, she was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, trouble has come to my door. Yeah, she wasn't happy. She even yeah. gave the horse a dirty look. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you definitely tell William Money's, you know, Eastwood's character was not very well liked. <laughs> no, I mean, even, even, uh, one of my favorite parts in the movie is when, uh, the kid, they want to find out if the kid has any good vision. And he starts shooting the canteen and Martin Freeman tell him, we ain't going to goddamn, uh, uh, big whiskey Wyoming to shoot canteens. I need to know if you can see or not. Uh, he said something about 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was funny. Well, you see, one of my favorite parts of Unforgiven, honestly, is when the kid actually kills somebody and then he feels bad about it. Yeah, he couldn't stomach it. He was, he was like, yeah. towards the end, he was saying, you know, here's my gun and I'm yeah. done. I mean, he, I mean, he was the one that started the movie. He was the one that pulled in Eastwood into the story. He's about the thousand dollar bounty and you know the guy talked the big game, but you know. He, you know, he had a bulldog mouth with a puppy dog ass. <laughs> well, he was just, he was just, yeah, he was just somebody. He was young. He was starting to uh, find out, him, find himself in the world. Mm-hmm. And he thought killing was an easy thing. But, you know, it's easy to pull the trigger. But the hard part is uh, how it's going to grab you and how it's going to affect you. Right. And with him, you know, that's what makes this movie so, so crazy. So many layers and so many things out there. He, the boy couldn't handle what he had done. Oh, I know, and, and that's what, I mean, I'm sure that's fairly realistic, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and Clint Eastwood had gone through the same thing, but he find he found a way to channel his uh, murdered demeanor by consuming as much whiskey as he could. And after a yeah. while, I guess the scars of, uh, the mental scars that he carried with him, were one and the same with the, the scars of, of his liver from all the damage that he had done drinking a hard liquor day and night. That's right. To burn them people alive and kill them people and shoot them all up. And they said he had killed women and children and he was just a stone cold killer. Yeah, that's how they described him. And, uh, you know, by the time we get to the end of the film, you kind of see why. <laughs> yeah, like he, he was somebody you definitely should have kept the, 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 the booze away from because once that girl told him about uh about the character of Morgan Freeman getting killed, that's when he decided to start taking a swing of whiskey, right? Yeah. And next thing you know, he head into town and little Bill was uh was letting everybody know, you know, somebody had to drop this guy and help him. Man, he took a sip of that whiskey and gave that dirty hairy look. And that was over after that you yeah. knew something real bad was going to happen. You done pissed off, Clint. Your world's done, son. Yeah, because little Bill had given him a hell of a beating. Oh, I know. You know, Gene Hackman played such a bad guy, too. Such a great bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've 
not so, I mean, as great as Eastwood and Morgan Freeman are, I don't know if, it, if Unforgiven really works without Gene Hackman. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it all it all came together organically. Even the uh, the English actor, who's a legendary actor, Richard Harris, Richard Harris, making that appearance on this movie. I don't know if he was uh, friends with Clint Eastwood or they wanted him bad in there, but he was just talking all kinds of smack about the United States and Abraham Lincoln getting killed and whatnot, making reference to that. Yeah, Tom, he he mentioned Billy the Kid. Yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden he gets to that town and Little Bill wasn't playing with him. Nope. Little Bill yeah. said, no, I'm going to take your ass out. And he had to take yeah. him out and give him a beating. And then they even folded his, uh, they destroyed his gun. Yeah. And told him, if I ever see you in this town again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kill you pretty much is what he told him. Oh, yeah. Hell, he told the whole town, if I hear about this and this and this, I'm going to come back and kill every one of you sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, so, towards when he left the town at the, at the, at the end, right? Yeah, at the very end. Yeah, but little little uh, little Bill was already dead. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if, what got me about that, you know, Bill's laying there dying. He's like, I don't deserve this. And uh, Eastwood... And so many words was like, yeah, you do, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't a good carpenter. Little Bill thought he was a carpenter. Remember the water falling down in the office? No, that is, uh, yeah, he was also building that little house. Yeah, he wanted to drink his coffee and enjoy his pipe, watching the sunset. Right. Or sunrise or whatever. But I remember the uh, the guy who was doing his biography, when the water started coming into the office, he said, "We need you need to hang him." Or something, but he he had no idea that it was the uh, the carpenter was the uh, little Bill. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his carpentry skills. Well, maybe he had been hitting the whiskey. You know. I, I, so, no, I don't know what he was hitting, but I don't think his carpentry skills were all that. But the house looked pretty good. I don't know if maybe he was just not a good roofer. Uh, may have been. Hell, I mean, he's with him being who he was in that town he probably got that wood for free if not at least for cheap so yeah the way that he was doing things in that town i'm pretty sure yeah. he, he didn't pay much for that yeah. for that wood he wasn't doing the right thing by that town he was just a a stone cold thug you know since you know we were doing two westerns and i i, I thought of this question for you yes have you seen any good western movies say in the past five years you know what i um not really, except for uh, I watched uh, a series that somebody recommended on uh, uh, on Netflix that it was a town that was mainly run by women. Huh. And I'm trying to think the name, but I don't remember the name out of the top of my head. It was I like, mean, I know Yellowstone is popular right now. Yeah, Yellowstone. Yellowstone is, but Yellowstone has vehicles and stuff. It's really not about. Okay. No, like Oldsmobile. Like I would say, if we're going to talk about recent stuff that is a modern day, but it still has a Western flavor, I would say Long Longmire is one of the best. I watched the first season of that. I've watched every single season and it's flawless. Yeah. But there's okay. definitely a series on Netflix that somebody recommended, and it's about this town where all the husbands got sent somewhere and they all die, and it's nothing but a bunch of women, and this guy shows up to help them, and... Uh, they, yeah, I forgot, but it's real interesting. That one, you one that you may want to look into. Huh. Well, I've been 
racking my brain about anything new in the past five years. I, to be honest, I think the last really good Western I saw was probably 310 to Yuma. That was that was a good one. And the uh, the last good Western after that one was uh, the remake of the Magnificent, the Magnificent Seven with uh, Denzel Washington was pretty good. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I mean, I wasn't blown away by it or anything, but I mean, I, I kind of liked it. I, I yeah. thought it was very entertaining. No, it was, it but, was very uh, entertaining. I really did like 310 to Yuma, though. No, 310 to Yuma was real good. I would say the last great Western that was done, and it's been more than, than, than five years, was probably... Uh, Open Range. Open Range is fantastic. Yeah, that's probably the last great one. Yeah, that came out probably in about 2003 or so. Yeah. Yeah, oh man, that's, I mean, Duvall and Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner are, are, out, are great in that movie. Yeah, because Robert Duvall, he can't do no wrong. I don't know. He's don't another know. Gene Hackman. When they get a hold of a script, they just become that. Right, oh yeah. But, uh, I mean, a, a lot of those modern Westerns that came along, you know, throughout the other two, dec two three decades, because um, you got to remember, it's been, God, it'll be 30 years next year. It's been almost 30 years since Unforgiven was made. 30 years, yeah. And, but it was Unforgiven that really kind of put Westerns back in the spotlight because it, it lied dormant. I mean, I, the only... Western, I kind of really remember from the eighties is Pale Rider and Silverado. <laughs> yeah, those, those, yeah, those, those were the. Uh, it was, it was a, a genre that was a. Uh, it was pretty, pretty forgotten, like something of the past. Like nobody was expecting a real great western to be made. No, because I mean everybody thought that the westerns, all the great ones, had already been done. Yes. Because uh, by the time you got to the late seventies, throughout the eighties. I mean, um, Eastwood hadn't really been doing westerns anymore. He'd moved on to do cop movies like Dirty Harry and The Gauntlet and yeah, Bronco and, Billy and some other stuff. So, yeah, and then he became a, a very, very prominent director and mm -hmm. nobody and, was expecting westerns oh, no, to be. I, I, I mean, Unforgiven came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, this movie just was like, that's why it won so many awards because it was so good and we go back to it, and it's uh, David um, Wheat Peoples. He um, he did something with this Western that most people, the reason why they can't get it right today is because they complicate them too much. And Westerns are really not that complicated. No. I mean, I mean you, Westerns are, are, are awesome for great, like, unforgiving morality tales. Yes, exactly. Uh, you cut that whore's... Uh, Face and you thought she was a nobody that they weren't gonna turn around and not get even, but they all pulled together and put a thousand dollars together, and here comes this uh this guy that should have never been messed with, who was at the end of the rope. He was there, a widow with his two kids, the hogs, and boy, let me tell you, I've I've, I've worked with hogs, and when you got to get him quarantine and stuff, everything that's got to do with moving moving a hog around is hard. And you can see that man in the mud like that. And that really happens when you're trying to move uh, those animals around. Oh, I know. I know. It's the perfect opening to this movie, too. Perfect. 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 And you got to think, too, if Unforgiven hadn't been so popular, would there have been a tombstone the next year? Maybe because it wasn't the works, because it's so close to each other. Uh-huh. But uh, we're going to move towards Tombstone now. And Tombstone, we're talking 1993. 
Director George P. Cosmatos, uh, one of our favorites here. Oh, yes. Director of Cobra. Yep. And written by Kevin Jarrett, who was actually the uh, the director for this one, but he got removed for whatever the reasons. The writer and director, he was removed, and uh, that's when George P. came along because Sylvester Stallone recommended And here's the crazy thing about this movie. It was released in December the 25th of 1993 with a budget of $25 million and it grossed 56.5, which is nothing out of the ordinary. This movie really was not a, a smash hit, but after time it has taken a life of its own and it's really going places, become a cult classic. But I think could it could it have been that people were really not looking forward to a Western around the Christmas holidays and maybe that's why this thing wasn't bigger than what it was supposed to be because it's really a great movie. Yeah, and I saw this in the theater with my dad. And um, yeah, I remember it. I remember the publicity for it, but I mean, there wasn't like this big craze about it. No. Um 93, I'm sitting here racking my brain about some other movies that came out in 93, and for some reason, the only other one I can come up with is Cliffhanger. But, um, but Tombstone, it's, and I think it may have been the thing where, um, the studio didn't really believe in it. And just because from what I've read, because there's actually a book about the making of Tombstone, and, um, from what I've read, Like, nobody kind of really wanted it because the production history on it was very troubled. Mm -hmm. And um, you had mentioned about changing directors. Kevin Jarrett, who was wrote and was going to direct, you know, George P. Cosmatos came in. But there was also a point right before that where Kevin Costner was going to do it. He was going to be the director. Right. But he didn't. He was battling with the studio. So he went off and did his own wired up movie okay which I didn't like now first of all it was way too long yes and second of all this was a right around the time when Kevin Costner's fame was starting to go down a, a, a tad so but the movie itself Gene Hackman's in wired up by the way yeah and I mean it's not a bad movie it's just something that I really don't go back to watching yeah, movie. I, it's not one I haven't revisited in a long time yeah so Because it's a shame because uh, uh, when somebody that actually believes in Westerns and would go all out to make one is, uh, is Kevin Costner. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, look what you did with Open Range. Yeah. Uh, and I guess Dances with Wolves. I don't know if you want to consider that a Western. But it's kind of a Western. It's a classic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I was saying, from what I read, Costner was going to do Tombstone and had some sort of fight with the studio or producers still wanted to do the material so he went off and did his version did the Wired Earth and then uh, which kind of left the great always underrated Kurt Russell yep. to kind of come in and I'm a first of all I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan me too huge. me too huge like he's right up there with Sylvester Stallone and Clint Eastwood with me and uh, what's high Um, while Tombstone may not be my favorite Kurt Russell movie, uh, it's definitely in my top two or three. Yeah, because he's, I mean, this man has done, people talk about action adventure movies and how uh, Indiana Jones, uh, um, 
Indiana Jones, uh, like, like I wish, I wish that he would have done Indiana Jones. Kurt Russell, you know, he, I mean, I, I know he's popular, but, and people know who he is, but the, I mean, the man has been acting since childhood. Yeah, since he was a kid. Yeah, he was a Disney kid. Yeah, he was and, a kid. Um, for, and so his movie roles throughout the years have been very, we're talking about diverse filmographies. I mean, Kurt Russell's definitely got that. Um, but Kurt Russell is just—I love the guy, man. Uh, my favorite Kurt Russell movie actually is Backdraft. Backdraft and is good. I love him in that role. Um, and it's a shame. Did you know Kurt Russell has never been nominated for an Oscar? I do. That's why I said he's one of the most underappreciated as far as uh, that kind of recognition. But boy, does the guy deserve it! Oh man, in my opinion, he probably should have gotten a nod for uh, Tombstone playing Wyatt Earp so yeah he should have because he he was uh he was real good but you know if you read the history of uh some of this uh some of the things that took place all the way to uh the town of Tombstone which now is a beautiful little uh town with many bars and you know they got hotels and stuff and it's like a big tourist destination mm -hmm. but uh The real Wyatt Earp was uh, a very, very, not only was he a tough guy, but he had been uh, on both sides of the law. Yeah, he absolutely, had, yeah. He had even been a pimp many times. Yeah. But that's what it took to take down uh, Curly Bill and the, and the rest of this uh, Cowboys. Oh, uh, man, along with the absolutely fantastic Doc Holliday played by Val Kilmer. Yes, and uh, and uh, and also the uh, the his other two brothers, which were perfectly casted, Sam uh, Elliott and Bill Paxton, right? Bill, yep, Sam Elliott was great in westerns, and uh, Bill Paxton, which is one of the uh, the other uh, may he rest in peace, most underrated uh, actors ever, because he was so good. Oh God, yeah, he he was awesome in a lot of roles, and Sam Elliott. Still looks the same today. <laughs> yeah, he is like he never gets old. Uh, oh, the man is not aged. No, since uh, since Rodas. No, oh my God! If you look at him now and compare him to something like Roadhouse, you're like, this was like thirty something years ago. And he thirty <laughs> five years ago, whatever. He looks the same. Yeah, even on the on the one with the uh, the dude, uh, the big Lebowski, he still looks the same. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The narrator. Yeah, he still looks the same. It's like this guy doesn't age. Maybe he's a vampire. <laughs> uh, man, if he's found the fountain of youth, let me get a taste of it. Well, he found something. I don't. I don't think he. Uh, maybe he lives an extremely healthy life. I don't know. He's got good genes or something. Well, you know, he was in that new version of The Star Is Born, and uh, he was really good in that. I hadn't seen that. It was, that you know, I didn't think I was going to like it, and then. Uh, there was a night I sat down to watch it with my wife, Caitlin, and I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty good. Hmm, I gotta check that out. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but, uh, and then, like, you already mentioned the late, great Bill Paxton. I mean, we could go all day on his roles. Yeah, uh, man, just Near Dark is one of my favorite, one of the most underrated vampire movies ever made. I agree. It's been, God, you know, I have not seen that in a long time. Though. Yeah. I But, I mean, he was also, you know, of course, in Aliens. He was, also, he was you know, kind of the annoying, <laughs> the 
the annoying scaredy cat and aliens. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, he's got he's got a wow. He's been around. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had a heart condition and he died during surgery. Uh, that's some sort of heart issue. Yeah, that's what I read as well. Yeah. If not, he would have he would have kept on acting because towards the end here he was doing television mostly. Yeah, I mean, I think the last big thing I saw him in, it was the uh, drill sergeant in uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, that, that's what—that's the last thing that I saw him in, and then he passed yep. away. But, and then also in the movie, Curly Bill, played by the late Powers Booth, who we've talked about before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've, done, we've already done two Powers Booth movies, Rapid Fire and Sudden Death. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big hit for us, too. We got great numbers on that. Oh yeah, do we? Yeah, we got we got great numbers on that. People really enjoyed those episodes of uh of uh what's his name of the Van Dam. Uh, hey, the, people the, love the Van Dam. I yeah. think about Van Dam all day. <laughs> the Muscles from Brussels was a hey, big episode for us. Hey, uh, dude, I, the, the, he's one of the very few celebrities in this world that I would love to meet. Who Van Dam? I'm pretty sure he's got to do some kind of appearances. I mean, he's got to yeah. be hurting for cash here and there somehow. Hey, I, but I tell you, I mean, Powers Booth, uh, to go from, you know, uh, the only big role I remember Powers Booth was in in the 80s was he had a he had a role as a pilot in, in the original Red Dawn. Yes, he was. He was. He was a pilot in Red Dawn. So that's how I, that's how I knew of him as a kid. And so, because Red Dawn was one of those movies back in the day that was always on TV. Always. Always, and people so love it. When I got older, you know, I saw him in Rapid Fire and then uh, Tombstone, then Sudden Death. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> How about uh, the guy, the actor who played Ringo? Uh, Michael Bean. Yeah, I met him like two years ago here in Charlotte, and I regret not getting his uh, autograph, man. Because I went to get Kane Hodder's autograph because. Uh, oh, it's Kane Hodder. Yeah, well, I noticed I had none of Kane Hodder stuff, and after going to all them conventions, and I, I never got one. I don't know why. Must have had something else on mine when I went. And I said, "Man, I was cutting the grass," and I said, "Let me go and stop, stop cutting the grass." Since I already had it, was like kind of cold, but not that cold here in Charlotte. And I had that uh, that suit, like a Michael Myers, like my mechanic suit that I used to work outside in the yard and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I had a big jumpsuit, so I put my, my Friday 13th mask, and I went there and got a um, an autograph, and when I was leaving, I saw him that he was there. I said, man, it was a line, and I wanted to get back home, and the Panthers were playing somebody. I said, I got to get out of the city, man, but I regret it, but he was uh, the guy who played Ringo. Ringo's a very interesting character because uh, the way that they put him in here, the ending for Ringo and Tombstone is epic. Yeah, 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 and he was, and he was, uh, he was talking, he was speaking in Latin to him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Doc was speaking curses by that time of the night. Yeah, but, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, in real life, uh, Ringo shot himself in Turkey really? Hill. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yes, in Turkey Hill, he shot himself. They were, when he was young, him and his family, they were headed, um, 
to California, I believe it was, and they stopped somewhere in Arizona or Oklahoma. And when his daddy was getting off the, uh, the cart, he shot himself. He was getting off with the rifle and he shot his face off with a family in there. They had to basically, everybody get out of the cart and, and bury him right there. You imagine how, how, how rough that had to be of a life for them people? Oh, man, that had been terrible. That yeah. been really rough. And they said ever since, he had uh, always had a, uh, he was always depressed. And back then, it's not like they could, you know, it's not like today where somebody says they're depressed and they're really depressed. And it's like a medical condition and they'll find you some help. Back then, them cowboys would just offer you a drink or make fun of you. Yeah, they didn't, man. That's, they didn't care. No. <laughs> But they did care about certain things. He was a very yeah. good asset to the Cowboys when they had a few wars that they had going on because the Cowboys right. actually helped out in the uh, that war between the Irishmen and the Englishmen that you see in uh, in the Young Guns. Yep. That actually did take place. And uh, for a while, Ringo and the rest of the guys, they were in that area involved in that, but Ringo had always said that he was going to commit suicide. Wow. See, I, so he was involved sort of with the Lincoln County Wars? Somewhat. I know Curly Curly Bill was definitely involved. Okay. Curly okay. Bill was definitely involved with all that, and that's why they, for a moment, they stop out because they were hunting him down, and they, they look at him as a hero because he had intervened in that. So they they had a different look way of looking at him because he had been involved with that. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. It's a book. I'm reading a book. I'm, I'm reading a book on it. Uh, it's called The Devil's Herd. Okay. John Bosen Bosenberger is the name of the author, and uh, they talk about all of that. But Ringo went up the 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 little uh, cemetery up a hill in Turkey Hill, I think it was called. Uh -huh. And only the uh, cemetery keeper who was working around in the cemetery saw him go up. They heard a gunshot. They didn't see nobody run away from the area. There was only one way of coming down from there. And he was in front of it, the uh, the cemetery keeper. And when they went, they found him with a, a single uh, gunshot in his uh, in the side of his temple. I guess, you know, back then they didn't have uh, CSI or none of that stuff. So they didn't know who had done it. And through history, they have always told you that... Uh, the battle and somebody took him out in there and they said it was Wyatt Earp and they said that it was this guy and they said that it was Doc Holliday and they said, but in reality it's more likely he went there to commit suicide. He was depressed and he finally pulled the trigger because it was common. Oh, wow. Okay. But nevertheless, in the movie, they showcase it just like they showcase uh, uh, Kurt Russell playing Wyatt Earp as this sentimental uh, lovable guy who was looking for another way out uh, and fell in love with this actress and she was come from a very wealthy family and they had a, a good ending, which the real Wyatt had a good ending. He went to California and worked in, uh, in movies as an advisor or something. Yeah, he, he lived to be uh, until like the 1920s or something like that. Yep, yep. So um, I do remember reading that and you were talking about the other people in Tombstone. I mean, what about this big ensemble cast that we had? Not outside of the, the major characters. I mean, with Billy Zane, he was one of the actors. Billy Zane, who played the, uh, the 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 stage actor who finally got killed. Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, 
Jason Priestley, he he was big in the nineties. Yeah. Yes, and he was he was there. He was there doing the thing. Uh, Michael Rooker. My, yeah, he was there too. No, this thing had a, a cast. They went all out for the cast for this. Oh yeah, the cast is great, and Michael Rooker, in my opinion, another underrated actor. Yes, uh, definitely. Who's been in a lot of stuff over the years? I I know him mainly from um, Days of Thunder and Cliffhanger. And Cliffhanger, he was on both. But, yeah, and I I love Days of Thunder. I know a lot of people hate it, but I love it. But, yeah, um, no, Days of Thunder is a good movie. I love that movie, dude. Yeah, dude. Anything that's any good movie that's kind of made or about the South, I'm all about it. <laughs> Deliverance. Except for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, have nightmares. Uh, yeah. No, but, definitely, uh, definitely, definitely. That 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 movie was very good. Cliffhanger and and uh, Days of Thunder were very good movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he, he's probably best known. Michael Rooker's probably best known for uh, his role in The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, yeah. It's uh, what's his name's racist brother. Uh, Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. yeah. And then, and he, then uh, but people forget too. There's an underrated horror movie gem out there called Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. That's right. I've seen it. And Michael Rooker is the lead in that, and that is one creepy-ass movie. Yeah, because he's playing a, uh, the, the the life of a real serial killer. Yeah. I mean, it's this dude has no morals, no conscience, nothing. I mean, he's, he's evil on two feet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I watched it. They 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 have it on Shutter. What's that now? They had it on Shutter. I don't know if it's still there. It's very low rent. You can tell it was made very very cheap, but it's very effective. Yeah, it's very shocking. Yeah, it's got. Uh, I remember the first time I ever watched it. I got done watching. That's one of the very few movies, horror movies, where after the movie is over, I, I watched all the credits, and I'm like, what did I just see? <laughs> Definitely, definitely. No, he's a, he's a great actor, this man. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know his role is, is small in Tombstone, and so is Jason Priestley's and Billy Zane's. And oh, you got to remember, there's a small little part with Billy Bob Thornton, too. Yeah, where he plays this uh, arrogant uh, casino uh, employee. Who, card player. Yeah, card player who who treats everybody like garbage in the in the in the place and finally Wyatt Earp, who in real life they say he was tough as nail, he comes and smacks him around and throws him out of there and takes over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a very cool role. I mean it's very small, but it's a very good role. Yeah, do you think uh uh without Bal Kilmer, could they had a could this be as a, a become the cult classic that it is today, or maybe it was just another another in, attempt to capture the, the, the golden era of the Western movies? You know, Bell Kimmer's Doc Holliday has become such a cult-like figure um, over the years, uh, you know, almost 30 years, that it's hard to picture this movie without it. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, if Kevin Costner's writer, Dennis Quaid played Doc Holliday. Mm-hmm. And he was that, I, mean, I don't know how Doc Holliday was in real life, I have no clue. But I know that Val Kilmer was great. I mean, how he was never nominated for anything is beyond me. Well, Doc Holliday was uh, very uh, educated, intelligent and educated. Right. Yeah, he was uh, a dentist. No, I do know that he actually did have tuberculosis. And no, that was true, yeah, and he died. And yeah, there's and no he way that... He a, a pretty legendary 
drinking problem. Yeah, don't we all? Uh, <laughs> yeah. People don't like quitters. Yeah. But uh, on, on this, everything that he did in this movie was so believable. From being sick, like you actually felt bad for the man. Yeah. From being sick, from drinking, from playing cards, every single thing that he did in this movie was so believable that it was just hard not to think of him as this super intelligent, stone cold, fast gunslinger who just happened to have tuberculosis. And he, uh, towards the end, he was like, no, I wasn't as sick as I let out to be. To be. I, you know, that, I'm sitting here thinking too, Val Kilmer's has had, had some great roles in the 90s. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the, the Doors is Jim Morrison. That he was great on that. I know he was in Batman Forever and that movie sucked. Yeah, that, that's not his fault. He probably just... Yeah. Maybe, maybe they offered him a whole bunch of money and he said, yeah, I want that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's terrible. This but, terrible. Uh, he was in some other great movies too. Man, of course, he was in Top Gun as Iceman. Yeah, he's coming back for uh, making an appearance on part two. I'm excited about the second Top Gun movie. Yeah, because it, it, it should... It looks good. It should, it should be. It should be a hit. I hope so, man. Because I swear, I promise you, it looks good. I mean, Tom Cruise when he wants to, he he uh he can get some. Mm, he can be. I mean, in Collateral is one of my favorite movies with him. Yeah, that's a great, oh, great Michael Mann film. Yeah. yeah, him and him and Jamie Foxx. Oh my yeah. god, I watched that like like a Mother's Day. I came home from work and I watched that that day. I was in the mood to watch that. I know. Getting off top of it, you know what movie I watched last week for the first time? Which one? To Live and Die in L.A. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. Dark. I've been, I have been hearing about it and read some stuff on it. And I saw a video on it, too, online. And I finally was able to check it out. And it was pretty good. How about The Warriors? When are you going to watch The Warriors? That's next on my list. Warriors, come out and play. I'm dying to do The Warriors show. Okay. Uh, well, then that will be uh, on my next list. No, the Warriors. I can't believe you never seen the Warriors. Yeah, that's one of those movies, man, that everybody talks about, and I just, I've just never, honestly, I've just never really come across it. Um, yeah, I think they got it on HBO Max, but unless you own it, there, it's really not on television. When I was when I was a young man, it was always on local television, at least yeah. like once a month, one of those stations. Back then, I don't know if you remember, but back then, before all the big cable companies and all of that took over, they used to have channels that would have like their movie of, of the week from seven to nine every day. Yeah. And then cable uh, came over and, you know, they took over. And... Well, I've got it up on my... On my list, so. Because that's uh, definitely a show that we're going to be doing in the future. Yeah, but, and, uh, but other than that, man, I mean, Tombstone, as far as cult status, like the Warriors, I mean, it, it's up there too. Um, oh, Tombstone, most definitely. Like, like yeah. when it comes to Western, this one is enjoyed by everyone. I know people from all walks of life that talk to me about this movie. This is not something that is just... Wash and praised by people who are hardcore Western fans. This is like every single person that has seen this movie enjoys it. Even the females enjoy it because it has that ending, that romantic ending. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a very Hollywood type of ending. But, yeah. But you're right. Everybody loves it. I know a couple people come off the top of my head that have said that this is their all-time favorite movie. 
I mean, it's it's just like it's a flawless movie from beginning to end. Oh yeah. Like yeah. just the how how cold hearted those are. Those cowboys were when they go to that wedding and they take out that from the get go of this movie they let you know how deadly they were. Oh yeah, they weren't messing around. No, and then in real life they were a bunch of uh, just stone cold, deadly, deadly, deadly people that would go any town and steal whatever they wanted and get away with it, and they were wanted. And finally, they found somebody that got in their face in that OK Corral battle and took them out. But. Yeah. It was just disgusting how how heartless they were com collectively. Oh yeah, they and they smelled blood. And they went after it for sure, man. Yeah, and, I mean, it, which works for the movie because whatever uh, it, it makes our good guys look that much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. But that was basically the the thing about them that only somebody that had that kind of intensity in them could actually take them out. And that was uh, Wyatt Earp, who was a, yep. a stone-cold uh, badass. Oh, man, he's... Because the local Kurt, sheriffs... Kurt Russell is so good in this movie. Yeah, he captured that Western vibe on this one because the local sheriffs in real life back then in those little towns, they could only call for... Uh, They call for backup in all those little towns, and that's how the cowboys would run away. That was the only way, because if they set foot in your town and they set a stronghold, they were there, brother. Oh, yeah. Big time. Wow. Big time. But, Man. but definitely for me in this movie, it's all about uh, Bal Kilmer. And that is something that is hard because uh, how good he is, but how good the rest of the cast around him are. Oh, yeah, for Val Kilmer to shine like he does in this movie with that ensemble cast is pretty amazing. Yeah, because this is, this is, this, I mean, you, every everywhere you turn, there's act, good actors on this one. And he just, uh, he, his, his, his interpretation on, uh, on Doc Holliday was just impressive. Absolutely. And memorable. Memorable. Oh, but when people think of Tombstone, that's who they think of. Oh yeah, that's absolutely. Holiday, like Val Kilmer, every time. Yeah, like they sell T-shirts with his logo. I'll, I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> like I mean, they, that, that line sounds as as iconic as yeah. like, kind of like as like woven into the American culture now. Yeah, as, that's like make my day. Yeah, I thought they were like yeah or uh, Yo Adrian. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or I don't have time to. Than, or I don't have time to bleed. Yeah, get the chopper. Oh, man, that's a good one. Get to the chopper now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, Tombstone, yeah, and Unforgiven, both, uh, in my opinion, when I talk about modern Western, I'm talking from, like, 1990 forward. Uh, with Unver Unforgiven in 92 being so good, and then Tombstone the very next year, It really kind of brought Westerns back for a little bit. For a little bit. That was like like the last of the good stuff until we had open range. And then we have uh, right. that, uh, three. what was it, 316 to Yuma? 310 to Yuma, 310 yeah. 310 to Which Yuma. is actually a remake. A remake, yeah, it's a remake. It's a remake. Yeah. Just like But, the, uh, the, the remake of The Magnificent Seven, you know. Well, like I said, that movie was decent. Um, you know, it, it had a really good cast. Yeah, oh, I just like the way Denzel Washington uh, took that character, a vengeance. Oh yeah, so, you know yeah. he he gave it a good interpretation. Well, I know 
think of Django Unchained. Oh, that was good. That for a spaghetti western and, and being a Tarantino movie, yeah, I enjoyed it. It had a, it had a, it had a, it had very good moments. Yeah, I, I really I know some people don't like him because it gets really violent towards the end. Oh, very nasty. But um, I've always liked. It's not my favorite Tarantino movie or anything. No, no, no. Man, that that's always going to be Pulp Fiction. Yeah, for me too. Pulp Fiction but, or uh, Reservoir Dogs. Well, I will say, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has really grown on me. It's really good. That is really yeah. good. That is really I, good. I love it. I, I can sit down and watch that movie anytime. Yeah, but Tarantino, he's influenced by uh, by Spaghetti Western, so you know yeah. that he wasn't going to make a Western like Unforgiven or yeah. or Tombstone. I mean, you know, that's not his style. You know, I love the gritty Westerns, too. Like, you know, like The Wild Bunch. Oh, um, definitely. The Wild Bunch is a definitely one of those uh, real good, good Western movies. And, and then a good epic Western like Once Upon a Time in the West or How the West Was Won. How the West Was Won, absolutely. But most of them spaghetti Western, I watch them all the time. and they are. Oh, yeah, and Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone, you can't do no wrong. So, Jay, let's shut it down. Absolutely. And, folks, thank you so much for joining us tonight. As we talk about some westerns, good old American westerns here on Tales from the Abyss. I am Jay Linderman. Uh, just to let y'all know, you can check me out on uh, another podcast that I do with my good buddies, uh, Arthur Ziegler and Matt Hunter. It's called Sports Bombs and Brew. We, uh, it's a, like the title says, it's a sports show. Uh, we haven't been able to record in about a month due to life issues and people going in every direction. But we are planning to record this Thursday. So... Uh, check us out there. In the meantime, thanks again for joining us, man. I had fun as always. So, folks, for the great Jake Lenderman, I am Pablo Rojo letting you know, all of you pilgrims, that somewhere between good and evil, you can find us bringing you these tales from the abyss. So, until the next time, be safe out there. <laughs>